Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Next Level. I'm JVL here with my best friends, Sarah Longwell and Tim Miller of The Bulwark. We are taping this on Wednesday at noon, and we have just gotten word that there will be no indictment of former President Donald J. Trump as of today. This probably gets punted to next week. Tim, give me your quick react. Well, uh, once again, Donald Trump has, you know, played the media and played everybody. The only reason we all thought it was coming Tuesday, right, was because Donald Trump put it on his fake Twitter that he said he was going to get arrested on Tuesday. And there were some whispers going around, you know, but there have been whispers about imminent indictments of Donald Trump since like 2017, right? So the only reason we all really thought it was Tuesday is because Trump said, and we assumed maybe there was some conversation between the Secret Service. It is a little bit unprecedented, right? The notion that a former president with Secret Service would have to you know, get mugshotted or fingerprinted or perp walked or however they would go about this indictment. So, you know, not surprising. Trump has manipulated the media. It's working for him on the political side of things, which we'll get to. But I don't know, for me personally, my anticipation is overflowing. I mean, I have a little bit of blue balls. Don't Google that, Sarah. On this. Like, I'm ready. I want the mugshot. Okay. It's not the perfect crime to get him on, but. You know, he's done a lot of crimes, and and let's just get one to kind of get warmed up. Would the Secret Service go into jail with him to protect him from the, like, the different <laughs> Oz factions? Oh, getting shit. Right. Would that, how, would, how would that even work? Uh, yeah, and do you think he probably goes to a special prison, right? Like a like the Martha Stewart one? Yeah, right? Like one that's not so tough. Okay, well, I'm sorry. Let's let's stop the fantasy <laughs> politics. He ain't never going to prison. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Never. Uh, and also, as I always say to my friend Tim, uh, I'm not going to use his same analogy, but like, <laughs> no, it's the hope that kills you. And so I don't do this to myself. I don't sit around being like, oh my gosh, she's going to get indicted. And I've. It's coming. I, it's I, coming. <laughs> yeah, like, don't do that because you'll just be. It's not Christmas You'll morning. just be sad. You know, if it happens, it happens. We'll see. The one thing to Tim's point about Trump playing the media. One of the things that's interesting about a lot of the stories is so many of them were about Trump's anxiety about this, the anxiety of being perp walked, the anxiety of being cuffed. And so, like, one of the reasons there's this conventional wisdom that these kinds of things help Trump is that there's a few things that him getting indicted does. Number one, it allows him to live in his grievance, which is a place that he likes to live. His grievance is his favorite place. Two, it centers all the media attention on him. Another thing that he loves and is able to typically use, it's why the shooting someone on Fifth Avenue was always his preferred way of expressing this. It's when I do something bad, it helps me, and I am unique in that regard, and that is true. He is unique in that regard, where he can take the the lemons of indictments and turn it into the lemonade of, you know, there's no such thing as bad press. All press is good press because everyone's talking about me. Third, because it's in the dynamic of a presidential race, it forces all of the other candidates to rally around Trump. And it also energizes the people who support Trump to demand that those other candidates come to Trump's defense. And while the whole of the Republican Party may not be in agreement that Donald Trump is the best candidate for 2024, there is going to be broad agreement that he is being persecuted by members of the deep state and our political enemies, and therefore we must defend Trump. And so all of these things kind of work in his favor in a short-term dynamic. Now, the longer term is a different story, and we can talk about that. But for right in this moment, he ain't sad about how this is playing out. Fifth, Sarah, he's going to get to declare victory because, as I said, he ain't never going to jail. And so when he doesn't go to jail via whatever mechanism that is, whether it's jury nullification or, or what. I mean, as the, as the only one here who's been arrested, is that true? You've been arrested? What you get arrested for? 
Yeah, minor in possession Oof. of alcohol. You know, nothing, not a real arrest. That should have um, gone on your permanent record, Timothy. I think it did, yeah. So I was the only one here who's been arrested. And then um, I guess my actual arrest wasn't the minor in possession of alcohol. Then I didn't finish my classes. And so when you don't finish your classes, like your alcohol, like as a minor, you know, they give you a ticket, you pay a hundred bucks and they're like, you got to go to alcohol classes. And I didn't go to the last one or something. And I didn't realize this, but I had a warrant out for my arrest because I didn't, I didn't finish complete the court assigned deal. Right. So I got pulled over for like running a stop sign or something and they arrested me. Right. Cause there was a warrant out for my arrest because I didn't finish the MIP. So I'm coming around to this by saying that I was never convicted. I, total you know, exoneration. I, whatever. I, I finished. I was totally exonerated. I had to finish my classes. I paid the seventy dollar fine, but I did go in. You know, I had to go sit in jail and have my friend come bail me out. So, I guess you could cut a deal with him in the Secret Service that he doesn't that he can skip that part, but. You know, even if you don't get convicted and go to prison, you still do have to like get fingerprinted, get the mug shot, put you in a holding cell. That's pretty good. Donald uh, having to be in a holding cell. You're not we don't get to jo- enjoy that at least. I am not convinced that he goes to a holding no. cell. Maybe he sits in the conference room of the district attorney's office or something, but I I have difficulty believing that. Hey, but the point is the denouement, like whenever that comes in this particular case, and the one we're talking about is the Stormy Daniels case with Manhattan District Attorney, then he'll be able to say, see, they couldn't get me because I'm I am the strongest candidate and my strength is so overpowering. And why would you take a chance on that, you know, Paul Ryan wannabe down there in Tallahassee when you they've brought the entire system of America against me? And I stayed there and I fought for you, the real America. And I won this time. I won in 2016. I won in 2020. And I'm going to win again in 2024. Vote Trump. Right? Like, that's where this all goes. I disagree with part of it and I agree with part of it. One of the things I was trying to explain to a reporter about one of the pathologies on the right. Like, I always say this about DeSantis. It's not who DeSantis hates that animates voters. It is who hates DeSantis. And so... The idea that you are being attacked as a Republican candidate, that they're trying to get you, that allows you to be like, see, I'm the one doing the most damage. I'm the one the deep state wants. And that plays in in sort of the Republican psychology, because if they hate you that much, if they're after you that much, there is a bucket, I think, of the party who says who, for whom it plays into the idea that Trump has too much baggage to be electable. There's another big bucket of people for whom they say, man, they want Trump so badly. They want to get him because he's the one they're really scared of. That is a thing that he will play with. On the part where I disagree, him claiming victory, one of the things I keep trying to get people to think about is that this one is happening first, which is unfortunate because it's not the best one to get him on. Him trying to pressure a secretary of state to find votes that don't exist or him fomenting an insurrection and not participating in the peaceful transfer of power. Those are better things for him to be indicted for. Sexual assault. Sexual assault, sure. But I I, I honestly think the ones that are relative to like trying to undermine our entire democratic process are kind of the big ones. Agree. And the ones that are most 
helpful to the idea that he ought not be president again. Fair. And so the cadence of how that happens to me is very important and is like an un- unknowable thing because if they come one at a time, like fast, rapid fire, these like the Georgia case lands, the the special counsel, Jack Smith stuff starts to – if those indictments all come quickly, Donald Trump is buried under an avalanche of indictments, which are much difficult, more difficult for Ben Shapiro to rail against than the Stormy Daniels one. And so like I don't know what that dynamic looks like, but if the Stormy Daniels one is the only one for a long period of time – then I agree that's probably what he does, JVL. But you see the difference of how this could play out? So I'm I'm looking at Monmouth polling, Monmouth, a high-quality poll. Yeah. And I'm looking at their three most recent polls, which are from December 2022, February 2023, March 2023. In December of, of last year, Ron DeSantis had a 13-point lead over Donald Trump. 13, he was up 39-26 on Trump. That lead shrank to nothing. In February, and as of today, Trump is up on him 41 to 27. Nate Cohn has written about this. That general directionality has been replicated in every single polling series over the last three months. So I just want to get to Sarah's point real quick. Let's get to the polls in a second. But, I, you know, there's a little bit of hubris sometimes in, you know, the political punditry that we're like, we know that this is going to have this impact on the polls. Like, we can talk about what we think. And I want to get into talking about what we think. But I think what I learned from that Monmouth poll is that the things are unstable. There's a big bunch of people on the Republican side that probably be happy with both, right? And so I go back to Sarah's point, right? I agree with Sarah. I guess I'm going to be the optimistic. Wait, Sarah, I, I just, we really don't know what the straw that breaks the camel's back on, okay, we're ready to give Trump a gold watch, or okay, I'm ready to storm the Capitol again for Trump is. And to act like we know, I think just is not right, right? I, I, I think that both are very realistic options. These indictments will definitely allow Trump to argue, make the arguments you said, JBL, but that that would resonate with people and that will engender them more to his side and want them to fight for Trump and blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, but eventually, I don't think the Stormy thing alone, I think you're right. The Stormy thing alone is probably not going to be the straw. I think we can we can tell at this point that, that that's not going to be the case. I mean, even Kevin McCarthy is defending Trump on this. Like, uh, even people that actively want Trump to lose are defending him on the Stormy thing. But I do think it's hard for people to to predict and think about what the psychology is of uh, Trump's got to go to court again today. Trump got indicted again today. Trump got indicted again tomorrow. And you're thinking about about who the horse is that you want to win. And dude's got three different court dates coming up in the next eight weeks, like over two different indictments and one, another one that's about to fall on his head. I don't know. I'm less Eeyore-ish than JL, JVL. I have a little bit of hope. This is not a certified JVL is always right view of the future. I am talking probabilities here. I do think it's more likely than not yeah. that, that Trump continues to ascend. Sarah, I have a question for you. Going back to our, our triangle, <laughs> what is Fox going to do about the indictments? A couple of our commenters didn't like my, my triangle. Well, you know, it's really screwed me up, Tim, because I do that all the time. I was just oh, on and a, have you I was started doing to... it this way? Oh, it gets no. in your head. Well, oh, no. It's, Don't so do I that. I was doing it in front of a bunch of like, I'm not even going to say, but like serious people. I was trying to explain this theory and I did my little triangle. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, no, what do people are people secretly thinking I'm making some something no. like Tim? I have a warped brain. Uh, maybe you could just draw it like this, though. You know, maybe just do triangle. a finger drawing. It's the Republican yeah. triangle. 
Okay. Yeah. Safer. Fine. Yeah, that wouldn't safer. That wouldn't do any. Uh, yeah, that's safer for me. I, but again, I could be okay. Alive. What is anyway, Republican yeah. conservative media world going to do? Because on the one hand, it's if he is indicted, it's the biggest story in politics, and they got to chase it. On the other hand, we know at least at the moment what Republican voters, meaning their audience, wants them to say. So what are they going to do? This is where the dynamic creates the benefit for Trump, is that in a normal universe, they would know that a lot of their audience is open to moving on from Trump. And Rupert Murdoch has put down his proclamation from on high. Congrats to the young couple, by the way. He's getting remarried uh, for, I believe, the fifth time at 92. So they want to be able to sort of move on to DeSantis. The problem is, is again, while the party might not be unified around the idea that Trump is the guy for 2024, they are unified around the idea that it is BS, political motivated, trying to get Trump stuff. And so it takes a cleavage in the party and papers over it for a period of time and allows everybody to be on the same page in favor of Trump. Which reminds people that they're rooting for him or they're on his side and that has a psychological effect. And so I think that the media, they will have to defend him and over time that will also have the effect of not quite moving on from him, not creating the environment among their viewers and among their, you know, Trump will be the hot commodity. What does he think about everything? What can we get him to be on the shows? What to call in? Oh, Maria Bonaromo been on the ropes lately over the, the <laughs> thing. Now she's the one who gets Trump calls in, you know, so she's got got the hot ticket. This is just how this dynamic works. He still hasn't been back on Fox, right? Which in some ways might help him to avoid being crazy. But the hosts are being nicer. Charlie hit this a little bit. Uh, he was talking, I think, more about the elected officials, but it's true about the media in his newsletter, I guess maybe yesterday or Monday, it was about this counterfactual mm. where it, like there, there's this accepted, I, I guess, muscle memory, you know, of, of these, of these Republican establishment types that they have to do this, like circle the wagons and come to his defense because, oh, they're not being quite fair. And, you know, I need to be fair-minded. I need my audience to like me. And so I got to call balls and strikes on we, Alvin Bragg. We are you know? not. We're not anti-Trump. We're just Trump skeptical. We're so real conservative. Yeah. <laughs> right? You see this. Do you have to call balls and strikes on Alvin Bragg? I mean, I guess, sure. But maybe after calling balls and strikes on Alvin Bragg, could you remind people that Trump has struck out like 100,000 times? <laughs> right? I mean, there is no... I, I don't understand why there's you know a responsible conservative media or politician... I mentioned McCarthy earlier, you know, Rand Paul's out there like Alvin Bragg should go to jail. Like, you know, Rand Paul's not for Trump again, right? Like, like these people are coming to his defense. Like, wouldn't in a normal world and a 20 years ago world, they say like, ah, I've got a little some concerns about the specifics of this indictment. But let's be honest, Donald Trump has really made his own bed here, fellas. You know, I mean, if Donald Trump wasn't sticking his little toadstool in Stormy Daniels and lying about it and doing payoffs and making his bag man go to jail, and if he wasn't under indictment for five other things right now, five other things, then maybe this wouldn't be a big deal. But he is, and he did all that. And so, like, you know, I, I, we can have some oversight over Alvin Bragg or some skepticism, but, like, let's just be honest about the reality. It's time to move on from this lunatic, right? Like that is what a conservative, rational person who wants the Republican Party to be healthy would be saying in unison. And yet still, no, they're back to its impeachment one again. They could even say, look, I am a big supporter of Donald Trump, but this is an ongoing legal process and I'm going to respect the process and withhold any judgments until the justice system moves on. Right. Sure. Just say that. Ain't no one going to say that. That's not going to happen. Yeah. 
Well, like I said, I haven't seen the details on this right. yet. I haven't read the indictment. Sorry. Look, they could always say I didn't see the tweets, right? They could say I haven't read the indictment, yeah. but that's not what you're getting. It's amazing. And then yesterday, I think, I think it was yesterday, Tuesday, Ron DeSantis sat down with Piers Morgan and opened up mm. on Trump in ways which I think were looked desperate and uh, and kind of unwise. So I don't know if you guys paid attention to this. I actually think that him going aggro on Trump finally is a pretty clear sense that his team sees the movement in the polls, too. And they're trying to regain some footing. Tim brought us back, so we didn't talk about the polls yeah. uh, as much. But, like, there's both the Monmouth poll and a morning console poll. They both show the same thing, which is that Trump has, has expanded his lead. Now, Trump has been leading in this morning console poll for the whole time. And I've always thought the morning console poll has been overly generous to Trump. But, like, it having the it coming at the same time as the Monmouth poll is interesting. What apples to apples between polls. That's right. Movement between is relevant, right? Like, it could be a nice poll to Trump, but it's especially nice now. And that's that's something. Well, and it's also on top of Nate Cohn's piece where he had done – he saw about a four-point – Comparing polls from Correct. months ago to now, and that in the aggregate, Trump had gained about four points and DeSantis had lost about four points. And what's interesting is that it's starting to shed a little bit of light. I don't think it's decisive on a dynamic that we have a question about that is an unknown, unknown, which is if Trump starts attacking DeSantis, does that alienate people from Trump who do not like the idea of him attacking another guy that they like? Or does it make Trump look alpha and DeSantis look beta and people start to sort of migrate back to Trump? Similarly, the dynamic that is in question is if DeSantis starts going after Trump, another guy that people like, what does that do to DeSantis? And so it may appear that some of his more recent moves, you know, are actually they're like accruing to Trump's benefit, not DeSantis's. Like that's the beginning of what we're seeing, maybe. We could do this whole podcast on what DeSantis has been up to. Um, I have so many thoughts about it. But the uh, the Pierce thing. Can you set the table, Tim? Can you explain to the people what uh, you know, the gist of DeSantis's attacks on Trump? Yeah, sure. So DeSantis went to do this Piers Morgan interview, which I, I thought is kind of an odd choice to begin with. Like, why do Piers? Piers is a former contestant. Of The Apprentice, and he knows that Piers is kind of Trump now, is like ready to move on for Trump. And it's just, so I thought that was a weird media decision. But he goes there and and he gets what you knew he was going to get, which is peers trying to bait him into attacking Trump. And look, I was getting PTSD from this interview because it reminded me of 16. We're like, I'd book Jeb on something because we'd want like something would happen in the news cycle and we'd want to like push back, you know, and have there be a news. It's like Jeb jabs back at Trump over the Muslim ban or whatever. Right. And so we'd book an interview and he'd go on Megyn Kelly or something. And and like the interviewer would want Jeb to go way further than he was willing to. And so this is what happened here. Like, Piers is making these ostentatious claims about Trump and how horrible he is, accurately ostentatious. You know, and DeSantis is doing like the, well, so on the question of what is one thing that is different than Trump, those other candidates failed on, DeSantis answers this with, we would have had some different COVID management, for example. Like, I would have fired Fauci. He got a little too big for his britches. Okay. So that's like a fair, I think, point in a on a debate stage, we have a series of points, but that was, that's about as strong as he went, right? You know, it wasn't anything else. It was like Fauci got a little big for his riches. I would have fired him. I'm trying to be alpha. Then on the question of the nicknames, DeSantis kind of brushes it off and says, oh, I think DeSanctimonious is kind of funny. I don't know what DeSanctimonious means even. It has a lot of vowels. I couldn't spell it. Yeah, it's like you went to Harvard, but um, okay. You went to Yale. Yeah, whatever. Um, same, same. And But he's like, I, I kind of like it. 
you know, and he's like, what, but what really, and he does this pivot, like this classic politician pivot, but like, all I really want people to call me is a winner. Yeah. You know, he has like a one line about that, about how I'm a winner. I'm, I'm getting back on my message. I'm getting back on my talking points here with winner. And there was a third thing, the stormy thing, where he kind of, again, reiterates the like, well, I just, I don't have a lot of experience with this kind of chicanery. He also was like, I don't care about these Twitter fights as much as Trump does. I'm just going to be getting results. So also no drama. Don't forget, it was no drama. My administration, we don't have like drama every day, which of course is crazy and wrong. The reason Ron DeSantis has become the, the bell of the ball is because he creates drama on a weekly basis down in Florida with his policies. Yeah, so it's all fine. All the criticisms are decently legit, except, I guess, the COVID one, uh, where I think of all the things to criticize Trump about on COVID, probably, you know, <laughs> like the fact that he would occasionally listen to an expert maybe wouldn't have been my number one critique. But, uh, you know, fair enough. Like, at least in a Republican primary context, if you're grading it on a piece of paper, you're like, okay, check. We got we got three checks. Trump's a little bit chaotic, and I'm a results man. Trump's a little bit in name call and I care about winning. Trump was wouldn't stand up to Fauci, I would. I, I got this three checks. But it, it's just, it's a little passive, right? In this alpha dog thing, it's very reminiscent of like what these guys did back then. Like Trump speaks in a weird way but like an authentic way. Like he's a weird, like, like, you know, it's him. He's just spitballing. He's out there. He's not on these talking points. He's not getting coached by Phil Cox behind the scenes to make the pivot to just call me a winner. Don't call me sanctimony. Right. Like, <laughs> like, like that stuff just checks to people immediately as, Oh, politician, right. It's reminding them. And this is the, this is the conundrum with Trump in a Republican primary. Biden didn't have to worry about this, right? Because the, the swing voter in a general election wanted someone to just, like, you just give me normal politician talking points, fine. Okay, whatever. It's been a fucking weird four years. <laughs> I'll just take boring-ass talking points, right? Like, fine. In a Republican primary, though, that's different. This swing voter in the Republican primary who likes both of them doesn't want to be reminded that DeSantis kind of gives Mitt Romney-ish talking points from time to time, right? Like, they like the fact that Trump speaks off the cuff and says weird things, right? And so I was just having this massive PTSD watching the DeSantis stands on Twitter, you know, give him, like, the attaboy, Ron, like, you nailed him on that, good point, like, from the National Review crowd and from, you know, Guy Benson and these guys. And I'm like, I, I'm like, I guess, yeah, but, like, you guys, don't you realize you sound just like the Marco people, right? Like, this was exactly what happened when every Marco would hit him, you know, then same blue checks would come on and be like, he beat him on the points on that one. But it's like the audience isn't judging on the points. It's a vibe. And he's like moving himself into Marco territory. So I don't know. I, I We'll see. I'm not in the David Frum camp of like, oh, DeSantis is dead, blah, blah, blah. I, you know, I think that this stuff is going to vacillate back and forth. But there was definitely some 2016 echoes there in that Piers Morgan interview that gave me the shivvies. So, Sarah, you know, as I was reading the interview and I didn't see it, I did think to myself, this guy sounds a little bit sanctimonious. <laughs> like that, that in, in a weird way, I thought to myself, like, well, did Trump intentionally bait this so that when Ron comes out with his, well, I don't do social media and I don't know about banging super hot porn stars. <laughs> That he would come off a little sanctum? Or is this just like all lizard brain Trump? It's like he, lizard he brain. Never, you know, he doesn't know why he knows, but he knows where to go. Here's what Trump knows. Trump doesn't think DeSantis is very good. He knows DeSantis personally. And he doesn't think he's that good. And the reason he's been trying to bait him into stuff is he thinks the sooner that he gets mano a mano with DeSantis, the better for him. Because people will pick up the this guy's a regular politician vibe. You know, as we've been talking about what are the unknowns about Ron DeSantis, uh, you know, one of the things I always talk about is like, okay, 
voters right now have a very shallow relationship with Ron DeSantis. They have a very deep relationship with Donald Trump. Good, bad, ugly. They know who Donald Trump is. DeSantis, they have seen up to this point a relatively curated picture of Ron DeSantis on their TV where he is pointing and yelling at reporters and calling people groomers. And, you know, they're kind of seeing the greatest hits of Ron DeSantis. And the question has always been is what happens when he needs a lot more long form? They're seeing a lot more of him and not just the supercuts of the Disney, the groomer, the mask fighting, the yelling at teenagers over masks. Like, And we're starting to see that is as they get more exposure to him, they're like, eh, Okay. And also his enemy right now is not the wokesters. It's not the groomers, although debatable with Donald, but like it's Donald Trump, another guy they like. (laughs) And that's harder. And that was always going to take a lizard brain from Ron DeSantis. It was going to take good political instincts from Ron DeSantis. It was going to mean that he understood the thing about Trump. Trump, he never wants to shake hands or touch the people who vote for him, but he understands and knows the people who vote for him. You know why? So the same people who buy all his shit. Yeah. Like garbage things that he's selling, right? The Trump stakes. The Trump stakes, the Trump whatever, like who like his brand and like his fake richness, who watch his show. He knows those people on a very visceral level. And Ron DeSantis, just like a lot of these other politicians, he doesn't know them. He knows the like college educated suburban voters who like him for taking on the education, the wokesters in education. And it's just different. This is a really good insight, Sarah, about the DeSantis, the the difference, right? Like Trump shares their grievance, like they have the same enemy. Like the DeSantis thing is more about who's mad at him. Like It doesn't feel like visceral. It feels like this kind of performative nasally, like I didn't like the other guy. But it's like, like you're kind of like them. And in a funny way, this goes back to like our running conversation about how the DeSantis you know, scolds who never did the right thing about Trump for seven years are all like, you got to get in line now. You know, you're not a real never Trumper. In a funny way, the best thing that never Trump MSNBC universe can do for DeSantis is be really mean to him. If there was a strategic effort to help Trump win the primary, like, and, and it's like, how could the never Trumpers best help Trump win the primary so that we can beat him in the general because we think he's so weak. Literally, the best thing we could do is have like a ban on discussing his name. Just don't talk about him. Ice him out. People say that about Trump. Now, it's too late for Trump, right? Like that, it's too baked in. People are like, why do you still talk about Trump? You give him power. It doesn't actually, that doesn't actually work anymore. Like Trump has his power because they all know we hate each other. We have a seven-year deep relationship of hatred. But if everybody just stopped talking, the media just stopped talking about DeSantis and obsessed over Mike Pompeo and Vivek Ramaswamy, for like four months, then uh, then that would be the most impactful thing that, that this group could do because it's the best thing the Sanders has going for him right now because his attacks on Trump are so weak. They're just so, they're so weak. I'm not saying this is causal, but think about something that happened roughly three weeks ago for Ron DeSantis that may have marked his slide in the polls. Think about it. Um, Jeb's endorsement? Jeb yes. endorsed it. <laughs> So here's what we need to do. We need to get Tom Nichols. Oh, poor Jeb. We need to get Tom Nichols to write a piece for the Bulwark in which he endorses DeSantis by claiming that DeSantis represents a return to the sensible priorities of Paul Ryan's Republican Party. And we do that, and then Trump is just, you know, that's if we really like, you know, can't live without Trump and that's what we have to have, then that's what I'll start publishing. Uh, <laughs> I was like your Pence piece in the Atlantic. (laughs) Your ode to Mike Pence. I have that framed. That's something else. So I, you know, I look at this and I, again, I thought the Piers Morgan interview was 
desperate and not well thought out on DeSantis's part. But on the other hand, I mean, let's just red team this. Let's pretend that you two are managing Ron DeSantis's campaign. And let's pretend you are amoral nihilists. So, you know, you're not you're not your actual selves. Looking at the polling, how would you have told him to handle this moment? Tim? I think that he was on the right path, actually. I think that they have panicked too early. The word that I would have put in his head as his advisor is like, when you think about Trump, it's pathetic. It's like the word is pathetic, and it's kind of sad. That's the only thing you ever really say. You don't say anything. You're like, I think it's kind of sad that he keeps lashing out to me on his fake Twitter. And like, what I'm focused on is the left, the evils of the left. And sometimes if the left goes after Donald Trump, that means I'll go after them. And if I was president, I'd fire Alvin Bragg, even though that's against the Constitution. I don't care. I'm, I'm an anti I, I'll have lawyers. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. Just that's what he does in Florida. He does extra constitutional shit all the time. And, you know, that's what one of the things that Andrew Sullivan bragged about him on is like, DeSantis, it's kind of it's kind of charming how he's so extra constitutional. It's so obvious. Yeah, it's so obvious how extra constitutional he is that it's like you can't even be scared about it. It's like he, he knows the courts are going to do it. But, you know, sometimes you got to do that to punch the wokes in the face. Right. So, yeah, I I'd do that. I'd be like, I would fire Alvin Bragg. I think what he's doing is unconscionable. But like this Trump stuff going after me is really sad and pathetic. And like we got to focus on beating these guys. The left is too good. We can't be bogged down in this. And I, I do think that would have, you know, I, I I don't think that that would have led to immediate poll increases. But the longer he could have let that run, the better. And I think worrying about going down 8% in these polls, unless his negatives are skyrocketing, and I'm not seeing these internals, right? Like maybe that that calculus changes if all of a sudden the John DeSantis is a maybe a gay groomer thing is starting to show up in your internals. Then maybe you change your approach. But I don't know. The only thing he's got going for him is the attacks on the left and the elites and the Never Trumpers. And I might have attacked Jeb when he endorsed me. Oh, yeah. No, that would have been good, right? Saying, you know what, Jeb Bush? Jeb Bush is a Joe Biden voter. I don't want his endorsement. That's yeah. not the Republican Party. I Can you imagine how great that would have played? Again, we're being nihilists. This is all horrible. But like, he's got to keep in mind who his real enemies are, the cocking Never Trumpers and the left, and that Donald Trump is just kind of a sad lashing out. And, and he really, he admires what he did, but it's getting kind of, it's getting a little sad. That's where I try to be. Sarah, how would you run it? Yeah, so I basically agree with that. But the main thing I agree with is the not panicking. So part of it is like, there's so much time. So, so much DeSantis time. has a long time to calibrate how he's going to do this. And because he hasn't been a national candidate before, and because it is a genuinely tricky prospect, like, I think he should pick a strategy. I think he should work it for a while. And I think he should see how it goes. And then I think, you know, if it's really failing, he's got time to pivot out of it. And like I said, I hate basically everything he's doing. But like, I think his strategy of saying I'm a winner, Donald Trump's a loser. I think the idea of pathetic is good. But I just I just wouldn't panic and change anything super quickly. Although I will say the one thing that you could see kind of happening is like, I keep thinking about like Elizabeth Warren on the Democratic side, right? She had this broad kind of support among Democrats, but she decided she needed to compete with Bernie. And so she she took all of Bernie's positions. And the problem was is that everybody was like, well, if you want somebody that's all of Bernie's positions, Bernie's right there. <laughs> you were competing with Pete voters. That's right. Like you thought you were in Bernie's lane, but you were wrong. That's right. Yeah. And so once Pete was in there, she basically got squeezed out where like there was Pete and there was Bernie and she didn't know where she lived. Now, I don't think there's somebody else that can necessarily compete with DeSantis. But I do think like if they're going to try this strategy of 
no, I'm going to try to out Trump Trump. And I'm going to have all of his same positions, basically, except when people ask me what my differences are, is that he wasn't hard enough on Fauci or whatever. Like, okay, that's a lane. Fine. Work on that for a while. But like, take it for a while. And then you might have to rethink it, though. But this is why he's got lots of time. And they shouldn't just like panic early. They should they should see what works. He can be a little bit iterative. Can I just say one more thing about the time thing? And this is really where the Rubio parallel is so strong. Is like, here's the thing. If the GOP voters decide that they are ready to move on from Donald Trump because they want to win so bad, then they're going to decide that, right? And like DeSantis has to seem strong. He has to seem tough on the left. He has to seem tough on the media. He has to seem tough on the common enemies. But but if if the voters want the biggest son of a bitch in the race, right, that's never going to be Ron DeSantis, right? It was like when Rubio started calling, you know, making fun of Trump's little dick or whatever, little hands, right? Like, it was too late. It was whatever. But it's not like if Rubio had started that six months earlier, it would have worked. You know, a lot of times we get in this Svengali brain where if you just have the right strategy, you know, there's certain things that DeSantis can do. He's been very smart. I think about positioning himself so far. There's certain things you can do to advantage yourself on the margins. But like getting into this fight, you know, like maybe if it's a different guy, maybe it's Chris Christie, right? And it's pre-Bridgegate Chris Christie and we can just plop that guy down into now. Maybe that's a different calculus because you're like, actually, I don't know. Maybe you could go toe-to-toe. You might have three different options for beating Trump. Well, you might want to consider, do you lay back or do you attack? DeSantis doesn't have the attack option. Like this guy that did the, I don't, ooh, Sanctimonious has a lot of vowels. Like he's not going to be able to go toe-to-toe with Trump and win. You know, that's not one of the arrows in his quiver, right? And so it's like, why stress about that? Like, do the thing that you were doing that is working, and if that's not good enough, if that's not going to work in the end, then like, okay, well, it wasn't going to work. I don't know. This other so that that's like the other thing. You got to know your your abilities. If I were running his campaign, I would tell him to uh, go sit down with his policy shop in the governor's mansion and find some utterly batshit unconstitutional thing to do. <laughs> Right. Because that is what has fueled his rise. Right. You know, whatever the new flying refugees to Martha's Vineyard, do that again. Maybe maybe you do it like a David Blaine stunt. Right. You know, we we've we rounded up a bunch of refugees and we put them in a glass box and we're hanging them from a crane five stories above, you know, the birdcage in Miami Beach. And we're going to throw tomatoes at them or something until a judge tells us that that's till some liberal woke judge says that that's not constitutional. Do that. Right. Uh, And I would remind people. As of right now, Florida has a law prohibiting the governor from leaving his post to run for president. Right. And this guy is so effing cynical that he is going to wait till like the last day of the legislative session to have his legislature rubber stamp his removal of the law so that he can run for president. Like that's the level of cynicism of this dude. And it's amazing to behold. I mean, part of me is, you know, like... I'm I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. But that goes with all of the he's a regular politician, right? Trump wouldn't do something like that. Like Trump would have just been telling you from the start, you know, oh, many people are saying I should run for president because I'd be the greatest president in history. I'm a very strong candidate for president, right? And DeSantis with his like, oh, I'm just going to pretend that I'm sitting here and then we'll, you know, I'll send a bill to the legislature and they'll pass it and I'll sign it. And then, whoa, magically, I'm a presidential candidate. That's going to feel kind of weird, I think. Can I tell you guys one of my one of my current kinks? Ooh, tell me more. The DeSantis fans dealing with all this, grappling with all this, 
Their Twitter feeds are so good. <laughs> There's this guy, Pedro Gonzalez. You know Pedro? No. He's like yeah. this, he's this like NatCon. He's like a what do you what do you, he's like an integralist? He's like a racist integralist. That's redundant. But yes. Is it okay? Well, anyway, he you know, he was all in on all of the Trump. He doesn't he doesn't want gays to be able to adopt and like the whole thing. He wants it's a it's the full integralist Trump world, NatCon, build the wall, put the moat. That's him. And his Twitter feed's been so good lately. I've been reading it. Yesterday he did maybe like twenty tweets about how he thinks Trump is grifting <laughs> on the on the indictment. And he and he, it's like his twenty tweet thread where he's his pictures of all the Trump emails and he's like, People, you are getting scammed by this man. Ooh. This man isn't actually scared of this and he isn't even spending the money you're sending him to protect this indictment. Like I look at the you know, if this was a really serious threat, he would be acting very differently. He wouldn't be sending out these emails and I'm just, I'm just reading this thing, like kind of just like getting all aroused. I'm like, this I was like, oh really? You think you think Trump might be scamming and grifting his own supporters now? That is that is an intriguing realization that you've come to after seven years of supporting him, running for president two <laughs> times, attempting a coup, sticking with him around the, through the coup. The scales have fallen from your eyes. I love it. I welcome a convert. It's great. You guys. So I would not go so far as to call it a kink, but I will tell you, I am taking also an enormous amount of pleasure in watching this. The Charlie Cook <laughs> National Review thing. Oh, my God. When he says... Do you know what, guys? Donald Trump does not care about conservatism. He <laughs> only cares about himself. You're like, it couldn't be, Charlie Cook. Are you sure the answer's not maybe he thinks this? Maybe. <laughs> There's a magazine cover I'd like to show you. It's called <laughs> Against Trump. <laughs> this argument has been made before, actually. These seven years of amnesia <laughs> these guys have. Like, This is the one where I'm like, stakes are high. This is a real Stay problem. Tough, we got to do this. But, like, I am going to tweet a lot of, like, so nice to see you guys. Totally never agree. Trump. Sounds like never Trump. Maybe they were onto something. If only you'd been warned. Yeah. If Maybe. only someone had mentioned this. Mm. But we gave in to the left. But you gave in to the left. It didn't really count. Right? You know what I mean? Like, that yeah. was. Yeah. yeah. They had no other option back then, Sarah. You know? See, you know, the thing that bugs me about that, especially in Charlie Cook's piece is the framing of like you know we got to reject trump because it's bad for conservatism mm. Mm. not like for america right mm. <laughs> it is fine to have trump who is bad for america so long as it's good for conservatism the calculus only flips when it really is going to start hurting republican politicians in their other elections and hurting the the great and good conservative movement also, it just started hurting it now. <laughs> it's it's yeah. that party over country bullshit just drives me crazy. I hate it so much. I just want to just throw a little tidbit out there. It's something that's going through my head. I don't I don't know if I'm going to stand by this in the coming months, but it's something for us to think about. I'm actually readjusting my priors on whether that's even actually true. That oh, yeah. that DeSantis would be better for conservatism and better for the party in the general. I'm not 100% sure it's true anymore. I think it's true. I know Sarah strongly believes it's true. I think it's true. No, 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 no. That's a different thing. Well, the DeSantis would be stronger in the general, and that thus would be better for the Republicans for them to have DeSantis over Trump. Oh, as a strictly political matter? Yeah, it's a strictly political matter. If conservatism is defined as the Republican Party, which is how Charlie Cook defines it, let's be honest. If conservatism is defined as the Republican Party's success is being damaged by Donald Trump. You know, to be fair to Charlie, like he would argue that conservative goals are only going to be 
advance through the Republican Party as a vehicle. Maybe hypothetically, if we're in an alternate universe, we could advance through another vehicle. But we need the Republican Party to be strong to advance conservative goals. And thus, Trump is weakening the Republican Party. And thus, we need to get rid of him because of that. And that's why we need DeSantis. I really strongly agreed with that about five months ago. And I don't actually even know if that's true anymore. I think that that is debatable, right? Because you look at the look at the last three elections. Trump, when he is on the ballot, keeps a very large percentage of the Charlie Cook type voters and then brings out a whole bunch of untraditional right. voters who don't show up when he's not on the ballot. In the matchup polling, he is he's beating Joe Biden, I think, in most of the matchup polling I have seen by close margins to what DeSantis is beating Biden by. When I think purely about the optics, I think DeSantis has a, a better chance of beating Biden, right? He's younger. The younger guy always wins. But when you really start looking at it, Trump could win. Trump could absolutely win. There's two parts to this. So one of the things, when it comes to conservatism, so let's just assume for one second that conservatism is still something distinct from the Republican Party, and it has meaning. Just assume okay. it has meaning, right? Whoa, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Fantasy politics. Free markets, limited government, uh, American leadership in the world, personal responsibility, yes. those types of things. Joe Biden's the most conservative president we've had since Reagan. <laughs> So what DeSantis does, actually, by going so far in the direction of Trump is he cements Trumpism as what the Republican Party is. And so that's one way in which I don't think that – and so conservatism ceases to be a relevant thing to the Republican Party except if you decide that it's just a synonymous – like it's just right. another word yeah. that you're talking about. And like it doesn't mean what it used to mean, right? And I feel like Charlie Cook – is trying to suggest that conservatism still has a distinct ideological meaning. Fair. I think Trump has robbed it of that. I think DeSantis, because he has not done a coup and because of what I think a catastrophe for democracy, a second term of Trump would be, I just don't buy the argument that for the country, DeSantis is more dangerous. I think he's oh, liberal totally. and I think he's bad. I so that's that. that's the argument I make. Now, now, on the political calculus, I always have a coda to my analysis that Ron DeSantis is the stronger uh, between him and Trump against Biden. And I agree with this, except... If DeSantis is the nominee, it means that Donald Trump is out in the world tearing DeSantis down in a general election. Unless they cut a deal. Unless they cut a deal, it's true. It's true. But, I mean, I guess DeSantis says, I'll, I'll pardon you for all these things, and maybe that's good enough. Is it good enough for Trump? I don't know. Do you think Trump could trust that? Because I got to say, if I were Donald Trump, I wouldn't trust that guy. I don't know. He's a guy that has made some deals in his day, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but I'll— Deals when he had leverage, right? I mean, if he makes a deal like that for DeSantis, he has no leverage on that, right? Because once DeSantis is in the White House, fuck all, right? Throw Trump in jail and throw away the key. Yeah. So I don't know. I just – I think that it's a very dangerous proposition for Republicans. And I actually think one of the things that I've always put in Trump's column in this Republican primary is the extent to which Republicans will be loath to go nuclear on him because – a Donald Trump who either runs as an independent or simply tells his people to stay home or that they hate DeSantis is a very dangerous existential yeah. threat. And like if it's on the knife's edge with DeSantis, if it's really close, they might take Trump just because he's the safer bet than him outside pissing in. And so I think head to head, all things equal, you end up with Ron DeSantis trying to run against Kamala Harris. And that's a very tough matchup, I think, for Democrats. I think that that element, though, of Donald Trump out there being a kamikaze is real. Yeah, I was setting down my marker that this is something that I'm monitoring and I'm unsure it's true. It's something that I thought I was sure was true that'd be better for the Republican Party and conservatism through the Republican Party for Trump to lose. 
But I just don't know. I mean, I think the Trump kamikaze card, the DeSantis maybe ending up in this sour spot where like the swing voters that don't like Trump don't like him and the MAGA voters don't like him, I think is a very real risk. You know, and so sure, hypothetically speaking, if we could just give everybody the men in black thing and, you know, run <laughs> Nikki Haley, like that would be better for conservatism, like than having Donald Trump around, right? And then that person would be more likely to to beat Joe Biden. But I don't know. I'm starting to reconsider where the strength lies in this one. All right. Uh, it's been a good show, but a long show. We will keep monitoring that. Sarah, Tim, it was good to see you guys. Everybody, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Give us five stars on your podcast app. We have a great guest on Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be good. When you're done, go to thebulwark.com and see all the stuff. We actually had a fantastic piece this week on all of the Trump potential indictments by Kim Whaley, who reminds us that there are actually six of them, not five. Great stuff. Charlie Sykes writes a morning newsletter that sets the table for you every morning. It's sensational. Come and get all that good stuff for free at thebulwark.com. Bye. Peace.